Welcome to the Show Up Podcast with me, your host, Natalie Norton. This podcast is all about having the courage to be a really good human and living the kind of life that genuinely fires you up every single day. Are you ready to become your best self and truly show up for your life, come what may? Me too. Let's do this I know you, you understand me, babe. Girl, you're my best friend. You guys, hi. I'm so excited. Hello. Oh. What? What is what? 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 I'm so excited about this episode. This is a bonus episode. Mm. And I get to introduce you to my favorite human on Mm. this entire planet, the love of my life, Mm. the person who is the craziest, most brilliant, and most wonderful human I know, my husband, Mm. Mr. Richie Norton. Yeah, I thought you were going to say somebody named Bobby or something like that. Yep, Mr. Bobby. Bobby. Mr. Bobby Brown. Mm, How's this going to go? So this episode is just a bonus, okay? It's just an opportunity. Aren't they all bonuses? No, this is like a special bonus. Actually, maybe it's a little bit like self-important to say that it's special because mm. I no, don't it's really special. no. Well, what this, this is ha- special. This is so special. We, You're we, right. we have something special. We have something so special. You're special. You are so weird, and- <laughs> <laughs> guys. <clears throat> what? I'm just gonna warn you guys right now that this episode could be really weird. Special. It's gonna be. It's gonna be so <laughs> special. Okay, but the point of this episode is for people to have an opportunity to get to know me. So Richie is gonna ask me some questions. He's just gonna interview me because Wait, he's we're a really good turn interviewer. The mic around and listen, Mike, takeover. Sh- you are taking over too much right now. It's mm-hmm. my turn. Mm-hmm. But I want you guys to listen to that radio voice of his. Doesn't Hello. he have a radio voice? No, my I gosh. don't know about that. You do have a radio voice. Mm. Now. Some of these questions come from listeners. Wait, I've said mm, more times on this so far than I've said in my entire life, and I like it. Mm, it's going to become a thing to bop, me. Bop, mm, bop, mm, do no, it all. No, and that <laughs> right now. <laughs> okay, so some of these questions come from listeners. Some of these questions come from Instagram followers. And guys, if we are not connected yet on Instagram, now is the time at Natalie Norton. I would love to connect with you there. You can connect with Richie if you want. Again, weird. He's really weird, but he's also really brilliant and really amazing. At Richie underscore Norton. Some of these questions came from Instagram. Some of these questions came from listeners. Some of these questions come from Richie himself. And without further ado, I turn the time over to Sir Richard Norton. Bobby. Bobby. Okay, okay, okay. Well, thank Guys, you. Guys, wait, hold on just a second. Thanks, everybody. He well, never goes by Bobby. Like, that's not a real thing. <laughs> okay? Let's just, like, make sure that we're what? really clear about that right now. That's my real name. Like, absurd. Mm, People are going to come up to you and yes. be like, hey, Bobby, Bobby, can we get a picture? I hope. Because he's super famous. That would be a dream He's, like, the true. famousest. If people that's came up to me joke, and said, Bobby, I want a picture, I think I could die in that moment because I'd be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> done it better happen okay so if people are trying to get to know you let me let me ask you a question real quick Uh, how much do you love me we've already covered this you're the love of (laughs) my life i think that (laughs) implicit 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 in that statement not a word is that i love you so big Mm, i love you bigger okay so when we first met how much did you love me (laughs) (laughs) 
This is about that's me or you. That's a horrible question. This is a really good that's question. That's a horrible question. <laughs> what? Well, it's horrible because so Richie yeah, and I had a whirlwind. We're gonna skip this question. We're, 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 no, no, we're, no, no, no. The question's over. No, I'm New, answering it. Next Stop. question. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I, right, Bobby, Richie and I, Bobby, Bobby and I. Whoa, whoa. No, that's so weird. Creepy. I can't, I can't even pretend like so that's So creepy. Real. Okay, so here is the answer to this question, and now you're gonna understand why it's a little complicated. Oh, because no. Richie and I had a whirlwind romance. Mm. Okay, yeah. we met. Yeah, baby. The beginning of July. I think it was like the second or the third of July, and we—I'm like embarrassed. This even is to so say specific. This. We were married by August twentieth of the same year. Married, not like engaged. Married. How did we met at the end of June? Okay, end of June, beginning of July. But our first date was for sure the beginning of July. Sure. Okay, or so, maybe not for sure. I don't even know. Don't oh, quote me on any of this. I don't know. Who even knows? Anyway, the point is that I loved Bobby him knows. so 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 much, but now what I know of love. Like, it's impossible. Like, I'm like, dude, we were crazy people to get married we that fast. We didn't really know each other. But no, we, we totally we knew didn't. it was right. We knew it was right, for sure. We were compatible. We definitely loved each other deeply. I've never had more of, like, a certainty in my life about anything. Like, hands down, for sure. And knowing now what I know about love, I'm so in love with you now. And that girl back then couldn't have even, like, imagined that as a thing. So we knew each other about two months before we got married. Yes. And we were going to get married, like, we were going to, like, like wait to know and do each a long other longer, and we didn't. But we didn't because we were like, dude, why would we stupid. wait? Let's just get married. And it was a good thing. It was such a good thing. Okay, so like I went to my mom. Remember? Mm. So this is the best part of the whole story. And then okay. we're moving on because I don't want to talk about this anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> what? it just seems like so boring. No, but anyway, so this. we go to this meeting with the florist, and it's supposed to be to mm, talk to them about one. this wedding that's supposed to be happening like six months away. Okay, this is like the second week of August or something like that. And we go in and the florist was like, okay, my mom's sitting there with him. And the florist says, okay, so um, what date is the wedding? And I was like, you know, we decided we're going to get married next Tuesday. And my mom and the florist just like look at each other. The florist like is like freaking out. He's like, what? And my mom, the amazing woman that she is, just looks at us and smiles and goes, okay. <laughs> total support. She's so good. Total trust. Yeah. Like, Amazing, amazing. We got married on a Tuesday. We did. And what a weird day. Even, I even talked to your dad about a it. Who gets you know, he on gave a Tuesday? me he gave me um, his blessing after he thought about it for a little bit. And, <laughs> and he said it's like ripping off a band aid. He said that. <laughs> like getting married, just getting married. It's like ripping off a band aid. <laughs> super weird. <laughs> yep. Okay, so so let's back up. There's really is little things. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Alpine, Utah. And the reason that I paused when I said that is because when I was young, we moved around a lot. And like I lived in Colorado. In like when I first met you, you said you grew up in San Diego. I'm getting to that. Don't, you know be, what I'm don't interrupt me. You know me. what I'm saying? You're in. You're a guest here. No, no. Oh, no, no. We flipped the mic around. <laughs> the mic has flipped 100. Okay. So yes, that's true. When I met you, I said I was from San Diego and here's why. Okay. Actually, okay. It didn't really say I was from San Diego. The guy, at, we, we met, oh, this is so You don't obnoxious. need to tell that part. Okay, so you grew up in San Diego. Okay, I want to tell that part. No, no, don't tell Because it. now you're making it seem like I'm a liar, and I'm not a liar. Oh, I see. Okay, well, let's clarify. Okay, let's, let's clarify, clarify for the sake of my integrity. All right, Thank all right, you. Right, all right, all right, so all right. we met as counselors for a youth camp, okay? Mm. And, like, the guy was like, mm. who's from? And they'd say a place, and everybody would yell. And they said, who's from San Diego? And I yelled because I had lived in San Diego for a considerable amount of my childhood, even though I didn't live there anymore. It was a place that I always identified with and felt like that was where I was from. Do you know what I'm saying? Even though we moved to Alpine when I was still very young and I, I went to high school in Alpine, I went, the whole shebang was in Alpine. 
for some so reason. We got Colorado. We got we got San Diego. Was there anything in Georgia? Yes, I lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and where else? Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. And no, yeah. my dad was not military. Neither was my mother. Okay, we just moved around a lot. We were moving. And do you have any shakers. pictures of your childhood? No, that's a very odd question. But no, we don't have that many. Why not? This is the weirdest question. (laughs) (laughs) This was a bad idea, you guys. Okay, so when I was young, my parents didn't have a lot of money. They hustled and hustled, but um, it was just rough, right? And they had this camera. I don't don't know the whole story. I'm, like, going to botch it, so I'm going to, like, abbreviate a lot. But we went to the beach. We were living in California, and this rogue wave came and, like, crashed up on the shore and swept all of my mom's stuff out into the ocean, including – the only camera that we had. And it was years and years before they could afford to buy another one. And so I just don't have that many pictures. did some kind of truck up. catch on fire or something like that? No. Oh, yeah. Well, that also happened when we were moving from the East Coast to the West Coast. Pictures um, got burnt. I don't know if pictures got burnt, but like— Are you a ghost? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Next question. Next no, question. No, I'm finishing oh, that story. This right, is right, so right, weird. Right, 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 okay. right, right. Okay. All right. I love you right, right, and right, right. oh, my gosh. Right, 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 right. Okay, go, go, go. I'm speechless. Okay. So we were moving. Our truck caught on fire. And then we also had the moving van. So we all went in the moving van and we moved, put all our stuff in storage, moved in with my uncle. Then while our stuff was in storage, the storage unit got got robbed. And like everything got stolen, including a bunch of the family pictures that we had up until that point. How do you feel about that? Very sad. That's very sad. But also it's just stuff. And even though it's pictures and memory stuff – Nah, all we have is what's right in front of us. Has your mom ever won a game show? (gasps) That is something that has, in fact, happened. When I was a young young thing, a young buck, a young bib, my mom won the $25,000 pyramid. (laughs) Tell me about— And it was a big deal, though, because it kind of, like, was the beginning of changing the trajectory of our financial life. To get to know Natalie, you have to understand she's had a a varied uh, life in— all kinds of interesting experiences that are unique to her. Um, as have all people. As of only Natalie has ever <laughs> had a unique experience, ever, is the only one. <laughs> Everyone else has the same experience, <laughs> except for Natalie. <laughs> Tell me about your dad. What did he do for a living? Um. Okay, so when my parents met, or well, they knew each other when they were young, but when they married, my dad, um, my mom actually hired my dad. And they were working like in real estate sales or something. I think they were selling like timeshares or something like that. So my dad worked for my mom. And then I don't know, fast forward, got married, whatever. Um, but the way that my dad, like the way he established himself in his career, what he did for all of my like conscious memory of my childhood was he was hired by, or hired by, I guess, by Stephen Covey. Um, and he was one of the founders of the Covey Leadership Center in the 90s. And so that was what moved us from California, where we'd planned on living forever and ever, to Utah, where I grew up. Um, and my dad was, he worked in marketing and PR um, and was like really, really good friends with um, with the whole Covey family. They're dear, dear family friends, and we just cherish them all so much. Um, but I did grow up with um, unique perspective because my dad consulted quite a few influencers in that same genre. Um, and a lot of the things I grew up with, I think, um, are a lot. I, I just I just had such a broad education. Let's just put it that way. And I didn't realize what a gift it was or how privileged I was because it was all I knew. Um, but then my dad left um, the Covey Leadership Center shortly after, shortly-ish after the merger with Franklin. 
And um, he and Stephen Covey, Stephen R. Covey's son, Stephen M. R. Covey, started a company together called Covey Link. And they wrote a couple of books, The Speed of Trust and Smart Trust. Yes. I remember one time you saying that you grew up with the scriptures in one hand and the seven habits in the other. Oh, 100%. Yep. That was how you grew up. Oh, yeah. Like when I would get in trouble, like when I was a naughty little adolescent, um, my quote-unquote punishment or consequence was to read the habit that I had broken in the seven habits of highly effective people and write a report on that habit. So for example, one time I ditched class. And just to give you guys a little bit of the lingo from like the 90s growing up in Utah, we didn't say ditched class. We said sloughed school. Never heard of that. I know. It's That's not a thing. But it's a true thing. Not it's a true. Thing. Uh, Utahns not unite. Is not it a true? Sloughed. Yes. Real. No, it's real. Weird. Sloughed school. And I remember we <laughs> sloughed school. It's the weirdest word. But Weird. we sloughed, <laughs> sloughed, ditched. We ditched class for like, we were in middle school and we ditched for like one of my friend's birthdays or something. Mm. And um, it was just one period, guys, too. So I feel like I, like, I feel like my parents should have been or could have been more understanding for crying out loud. But my punishment was that I was grounded until I had read the habit begin with the end in mind and written a report on how I didn't begin with the end in mind and how had I begun with the end in mind, I may have made different choices. Period. Did that help you? I actually, <laughs> well, I want to be like, no, it was the worst. And at the time it kind of was the worst. And I had to read that book so many times. Like I remember sometimes I would like pass it around to my friends. Like we'd each take it during a period and like mark it up and whatever. So it would look like I'd like really read it. Um, and like they would help me write my reports or whatever. But um, I hate to say this. I hate to admit this. Like you're putting me in such a hard spot. You're welcome. But it was like really good. <laughs> like now looking back, like you I know, feel like that such, blessed me so You're such so a beautiful much. person. Do you think the seven hats, habits made you beautiful? 100%. <laughs> it's the best skincare regimen no, I No, but for ever real found. though, do you think that reading that and the way your parents raised you to think about like, I don't know, that space and time between- Stimulus uh, and response. When some, see, see, this is this is her speaking of the seven habits person. Yeah. Did that make you hundred percent? You don't have who to finish you your are. question. Yeah. 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 Like that's what I, I'm getting at with all these weird questions. No, no, no. It's true. I'm actually glad that you're bringing all that up, mm -hmm. even though I it was really weird the way you did it. You're but, welcome. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, more, I definitely, definitely feel that's why I always use the word privilege, um, even though it's a tough word like to choke out of my mouth because none of us want to think that we had it better or easier. It's a hard thing to admit to, but I am certain that I was very privileged as it related to um, the perspective I gained growing up in the home that I grew up in and what I was exposed to in terms of leadership education and in terms of um, self-awareness. Really, that's what it came down to is that I was constantly exposed to um, books and leaders. And I mean, I would go with my dad on business trips and listen to these influencers speak to audiences and and I had close personal contact with a lot of them too. And I think that all of that just developed in me this innate self-awareness that I think perhaps takes others many more years to develop. Because for me, it was almost like like when you learn a language when you're like a little kid versus like trying to learn it when you're like 25 you're or something. You're being taught these, these concepts that people aren't learning 
until adulthood. As they pick up self-help books, right? As, they've, as they're picking up bad habits and trying to fix them, <laughs> right? <laughs> fix them with well, good seven of yeah, them. With- <laughs> and you're, you're, you're taught them from, from birth. Well, I mean, that's hard for me to like, yeah. I that's mean, why you're such a good person. I am so amazing. <laughs> that's no, why, that's I mean, why we never fight and we're always just peaceful. Oh yeah, peaceful. that's why everything's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke, guys, that by the way. That was a joke, guys. Ha ha. LOL. Um, lol. lol. Um, I think that it's hard for me to say, yeah, I was so lucky and I'm so amazing because I don't believe I'm amazing. I do believe I'm lucky, but I, of course, was still a ding dong and a normal teenager. And um, Say ding dong again. Ding dong. Mm-hmm. And but, but that said, I definitely learned all of these principles, not just the seven habits, but all different kinds of things. Like I remember reading Richard Carlson when I was really young and he wrote um, quite a few books, but one that I am trying to think of the name is, oh, you can be happy no matter what. That had a big impact on me. Um, And then of course, anything by Covey. Um, Jack Canfield was a real influence on me as well. Um, Wayne Dyer was a huge influence on me and I read his stuff like crazy. Louise Hay, Shakti Gawain, all of these different people. These books surrounded me and it was such a culture of reading and learning and discussion. Like all of our discussions were about these personal development. It was all about personal development all the time. Are you a reader? (laughs) Dude, um, we're like walking around like everywhere we go, I'm like, Natalie, are you reading a book right now? He <laughs> everywhere always, he always, he'll, it's not like, a phone in her hand. It's a freaking book everywhere <laughs> we go. <laughs> yep. But what I was saying, back to me, 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 was just I think I learned all of this in a way that was more integrated in just my normal okay. life. What did you do in Ecuador? I worked in an orphanage. Oh, yeah. Can we stop talking about like fancy things and no, just no, talk no, about like no fancy things? I, I, What'd you do in I like, don't know if I can release this episode. It makes me feel so embarrassed. Doesn't matter. 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 Tell me, what'd you do in Ecuador? I already told you. I worked in an orphanage. Mm. How did that shape your your the way you looked at the world? This is a real question, by the way. Oh, all the other ones weren't real. <laughs> for sure. Oh, golf. If I'd known, I, know. I might have answered them differently. For real. Um, for real. Um, okay. How did it shape me? Um, so you worked in an orphanage as all, a volunteer yeah. for how long, more or less? I don't know. About half a year, more know. or less, more? More or less, more in Spanish, less. you learned how to play music. Oh, I did not learn All I know music. is when we first met, you just come off the strip. Yeah. And all you could think about was these children and you would cry about them. Well, yeah. I mean, it definitely, it shaped me in that, number one, I saw the world as a whole lot bigger than I had ever realized. And number two, I realized that there were so many varied lives out there that did not in any way resemble mine. And it opened my eyes to, like I said before, the privilege with which I had been raised or in which I had been submerged in throughout my entire childhood. Um, And it also, I think it ignited in me a feeling of responsibility to, to do more and to give back because I had no excuse. Like if these people that I, that I met and dealt with or worked with in Ecuador could do the things they were able to do despite really, really adverse circumstances, then I had no excuse not mm-hmm. to be the best I could possibly be because, I mean, my my trials and challenges were nothing in comparison. When, if you can think back to when you were a kid, how did you picture your life in the future now? Did you picture yourself doing what you're doing now or something different? How did you think you'd grow up? Who were you going to be? Or, or is that not a thing? You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. who did you think you were going to be? Well, when I was really young, I thought I was going to marry Michael Jackson. That, so, 
that was should a little, have happened. I'm, I'm a little disappointed. That I mean, should have happened. <laughs> uh, I know. It's a bummer. Oh, but that didn't happen. So that was a bummer. We could have changed Raleigh's name to Michael. <laughs> my, my, my lay. What? <laughs> That would, I guess like, I wouldn't have been his around. His name is not Raleigh. Ra- his name's Raleigh. Raleigh. So Mikey? Malay. Malay. Okay, so anyway. Um, so I didn't marry Michael, which was a bummer. For a oh. while, I really wanted to be an actress. Like that like was something I really wanted to do. But the bottom line was I wasn't like very good at pretending to be other people. So I, when I first met Natalie, I went, um, well, I'll tell you this. It's not there anymore, I don't think. But in her childhood bedroom. Oh, it's still there. Is, it's behind like a dresser. I think it fell down. But it's a, a a vision board, a dream board. You know where you just like go through a bunch of magazines and cut out words and, and pictures. And I'm looking at it. Well, well, whatever. It is what it is. But looking back on it now, I'm telling you, it all happened. Almost like all of it happened. Stuff, like, yeah. And this isn't like to your credit, you did these things. It's just a bizarre thing that something you thought of as a child is happening now. And obviously, we both know of all people, things you wish for, things you pray for, don't always come oh, to yeah. pass. And that it, it, yeah. That's not that. Yeah. But tell me about, hey, if it happens, it happens. Congratulations, right? Like, yeah. cool. If not, not whatever. It's either this or something better, right? Yeah, that's the concept. Sure. That was always the mantra so, when so I was So that kid. said, how important is envisioning things to you either on a vision board or in your mind with meditation. Like, cause you're one of those weird people that does things like that. So, so, <laughs> tell, so tell me, tell me more about weird stuff. Um, that was like 45 <laughs> questions in one. And I'm a little bit confused. Doesn't matter. But what were we talking about right before you asked about the dream board? <laughs> Michael Jackson. Um, oh, what my dreams bearing, were for my life. Uh, you and him, Raleigh. So I wanted to marry Michael <laughs> Jackson and then I wanted to be an actress. And, but really what I wanted to do more than anything else was I wanted to be a mom. That was really, really, truly, deeply, madly. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do with all of my heart. And so, um, and I've done, I've done that. I mean, I, I've done, I, I am doing that. I'm doing everything that I ever set out to do, but just setting those intentions, going back now to the dream board and all of that that you brought up. Um, yeah, like those things really have happened and maybe not exactly as I wrote them out or exactly as I imagined, but they've materialized in ways that are more robust and more um, aligned with, with my deepest values. Are you still envisioning things or visioning things in the future and doing dream boards or just Ooh, thinking about it? What now that doing? is a tricky question. Um, like you said, I think that life kind of knocked the wind out of us in a lot of ways because my life isn't, it's in a lot of ways what I imagine, but in a lot of ways not. I never thought I would, I never thought my brother would die. I never thought I'd lose a child. I never thought a lot of things have happened that like rug pulled out from under you kind of things. And a lot of those things were things that I deeply prayed for um, that I deeply prayed and imagined to go differently and very like specifically so, like using the example of our son. Not that I, I don't always want to talk about him and I don't want, I certainly don't want to exploit that loss, but it's it's my experience. And so it's something that I will probably frequently return to because it was such um, a formative experience for me. But for example, using him, we prayed and prayed and prayed for him to be well. And I was worthy of that miracle, right? In all the technical quote unquote ways, all the right? right? Like like I'd lived the right life and I'd followed the rules and I, you, you said know. said the prayers. I said the prayers, I, I exercised the faith and then my son still died, mm-hmm. right? And with a few things like that happening in such quick succession, succession to one another, um, for a while it got really hard to have any expectations about the future, to have any hopes or dreams. And 
I want to be really transparent. It's only been maybe within the last like year-ish, two years that I've started to sort of wake up again to um, that kind of intention. Um, and it was a process. Like in the beginning, it was just like, what's the point, you know? And not that I didn't believe or have um, faith in in divinity or in a, a power greater than myself. And it's not that I just like kicked to the curb everything that I had believed before, but I certainly saw those things through new eyes and they were no yeah. longer as simple as they'd always felt. And then it was a process getting to where I am now. From there, it was like slowly building up um, different things and having having new expectations. And then from there to hopes and dreams. And it's, it's taken time. It's been a process and I'm still working on that. But I think that where I eventually ended up the healthiest place that I've been, and maybe that this is sort of where I am now, is in this space where, like you said earlier, this or something better, um, where I hold lightly those things that I that I want or envision or imagine for myself. What does that mean? Um, I'm not. I'm not. Hold um, lightly. Uh, hang on. Let me find. I'm trying to think of something specific. I'm not so rigid in my expectations. I don't have this idea that it needs to be this That's way. Cool. I have a hope and a dream, but I'm always open to the something better that God has in store. I right? remember this might be a little vulnerable, but I remember at one point you you decided you weren't going to set goals anymore. Oh yeah. Because it was too disappointing. Yeah. And how was that helpful? Because there's probably lots of people listening to this that well, in, the beginning, in that I, situation. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, it wasn't helpful. In the beginning, it was very much, I had a bad attitude and I, I felt um, picked on by the cosmos, right? By God. I felt as though it was unfair and I, I wasn't in a good place at the beginning of all of that. But um, eventually what happened was I was so much more open to the something betters, right? Wow. And um, I mean, even so far, I would go so far now as to say that even the death of my son was a something better because I never could have even imagined the way that that grief and that pain and that torment could transform me or transform our family or give us a greater depth of being and connecting in this world. And I hate that it happened. I, I would undo it if I could. And yet I can absolutely see the way that that loss was transformed into a something better. Wow. When your brother, we're at, we're at our house. Okay, well, I just need to point something out. My whole thing was keep it light. This is not light. I'm holding it lightly. <laughs> when, <laughs> I'm taking your phrase to keep it light, lightly. <laughs> when your brother, so your, your mom and dad come in and say, you know, your, your brother passed away. It's Father's Day. There's a lot of things we could talk about on this. June 17th, 2007. What I, I want to know is like looking back, how did that change you as a human being and your perspective on life? Ooh, I mean, how long is the episode? I could, I, I mean. It's long. <laughs> I guess I'm the boss. It's as long as I want. Mm -hmm. um, but. I, I could go on forever because that was that was the catalyst for so much change in my life. But if I had to pick one thing, it would be this. Um, it it was the first time in my life that I was forced to really recognize the impermanence of things, that everything is constantly changing, and that the only thing that is ever going to be constant is what's within that relationship between us and our divine light and and God. And um, and and I, I have to add this because it's so important to me that people recognize that 
I don't, I don't have any stuff about, about what you believe about God. I really, I want you to acknowledge that there is a power perhaps that exists, but I don't care if you classify it as God or Heavenly Father or for the purposes that we have here, I just, I may use language that's different than what you use, but translate it for yourself, right? But, but what happened for me was this acknowledgement that that was all that was, that was the only thing that was constant and reliable was that inner space, that space behind my eyes. And as I became um, more and more comfortable with the impermanence of all things, existence, relationships, thoughts, feelings, um, my anxiety about life shifted. And I've been an anxious person since I was little. And it's interesting that what does that mean? One of the Shifted. greatest one of the greatest tragedies in my life ended, or not ended, but one of the greatest tragedies in my life ended up being um, a catalyst for me to release the stress and anxiety because I'd always held so tightly to these things. Like I identified as Gavin's sister, I identified as my parents' daughter, I identified wow. in all these ways, and suddenly there was a shift in your that. identity. So if I wasn't Gavin's sister, who was who I? Am I? And that was the beginning of me really getting rooted in myself as me and as a divine being. And um, wow. yeah, I mean, again and again, I could go on and on. That's the tip of such an expansive iceberg, but hopefully that answers the question sufficiently, sir. So we're in the hospital and the nurse comes in, tells us to stay the night and we always stayed the night. Yeah, but no one had ever told us to. She's telling us the other Usually night. Usually they a, would say, go home, a cue, get some rest. Like, hey, yeah. he's not going to make it. Yeah. And they say, we're going to bring in a crash cart. But by the way, we just have to, but it's not going to help. He's, it's happening. Well, they wanted us to sign a DNR, which means like, don't resuscitate. And it was, it was a challenge for you. Well, um, yeah, I wanted to give him every fighting chance. Yeah. But my, the, where I came to, and I, I agreed with him at first, but then where I came to was, that I didn't want to prolong his suffering in any way, right? And I remember we're on either side of him, praying, holding hands, promising each other that we won't let this experience destroy our lives or our marriage. And the reason I think I think it, it bears um, mentioning that the reason that that conversation existed was because this wasn't our first rodeo, mm. right? My my brother had died just before this experience happened, and I think um, that our experience with grief and the obliterative, 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 obliterative. I write that word all the time, but I don't say it very often. Just keep it. <laughs> <laughs> the obliterative nature of um, that loss had really opened our eyes to what was coming. And so here we are knowing that we're on the precipice of this again, right after we've sort of started to get our rhythm again in our life. And, um, so we had the wherewithal to say, look, we know what's coming. So let's get intentional. Let's get intentional together because these are our values, right? We valued one another. We valued our, our family. We valued um, our faith. We valued so many very specific things. And we knew that all of those things were potentially at risk as we faced what lay ahead. And so we made very specific commitments to each other. And they took out all those wires and all those tubes and... They handed him to me for a second, and I handed him to you. You know, I have to interrupt there for a second because I need to say um, that I'm sure I've said this to you before. I hope I have. But that was maybe the greatest, um, the most selfless thing I've ever seen anyone do for anyone was you knowing that these are the last moments 
and literally just holding him. It was probably two seconds, just long enough to give him a squeeze and a kiss and then handing him immediately to me so that I could have those last moments with him. I, um, I love you. Oh, I love you. I, I would never think of it that way. It was just, of course, but thank you. And you're holding him, seeing little bias. I have my hand on his heart and we just wait for those last beats. This is the story I want you to tell. What happens after that? Hmm. Okay, so um, we're getting real. We're getting real, real. This is a defining moment that made you who you are. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Okay, so now if I'm going to tell this, you have to let me tell it though, because I'm going to, it's hard. It's hard to talk about. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, here I am. My, my son has just taken his last breath and I know he's gone and I'm holding him in my arms. And, you know, we think about this in our worst nightmares, right? We think, we imagine, gosh, what would I ever do? I could never go through that. I would never be strong enough. Or, man, what would, what would, what would we do if we lost our child or our husband or our wife or our friend or our parent or whatever? We go through these worst case scenarios. It's human nature to at some point um, grapple with these kinds of things, right? And one thing that I don't know that I'd ever thought of was what next? Like you think about it in a general way, but I'd never thought of like the speci specific logistics. Like I'm sitting here holding my little boy and knowing that now I have to get up and leave that hospital, that I can't just stay there with him forever. And how do you make that, that move? How do you get up? How do you step into this hell that is now in, in front of you? How do you, how do, you do that? How? They're, I, it's impossible. And I literally remember saying out loud, how? And just feeling as though I was going to die under the weight of it. And I remember looking at you and your eyes just brimming with tears. And we just shook our heads at each other like, what do we do? And so in that moment, I remember holding him close and shutting my eyes and taking a deep breath and just crying out in my mind to an unseen God, how, how, like, where are you? How do I do this thing? You're asking me to do an impossible thing. I cannot do this thing. And it, it's such a weird thing to talk about because I can't ever do it justice with human language. Um, but the feeling that washed over me was probably the most profound experience of my life. I... I suddenly felt in touch with myself in a way that I never had before. I wasn't Natalie Norton in this hospital room having this horrible, horrible um, reality. I was this person, this being, this Natalie Norton who had lived for eons before and would live for eons after. And while I knew that Natalie Norton in that hospital room in 2010, that she didn't have what it took to do this impossible thing. That other person, that Natalie, that, that true essence of the divinity of who I really was, that that person had the power. And I opened my eyes and I stood up. And I looked around the room and all I saw was this big, cold, sterile hospital bed. And I didn't want to lay him there. It, he's my baby, my little, my little precious child that I just wanted so desperately to protect. And I looked around the room. And at that exact moment, before I could even register my next steps, 
there was a nurse standing in front of me and she couldn't have been older than maybe like 23, 24 at the very most. Maybe probably closer to 20. She was a baby. I don't know. But all I remember about her was she had blue, blue, crystal blue eyes and they were brimming with tears. And her lip trembled and she said, would you like me to rock him for you? I'll rock him for you. And I was able in that most dark and terrifying moment of my life, I was able to hand my little boy to another human being who had showed up for me in a situation that was probably breaking protocol. I mean, we'd been alone in that room and in she came. She was probably so afraid, didn't want to interrupt, right? But she had the courage because in her soul, I imagine she felt inclined, she felt inspired, she felt compelled to step forward and help another human. I can rock him for you. Would you like me to rock him for you? And I handed her my little boy and I stood there and watched as she sat down and rocked him so tenderly and just gazed at him and she stroked his skin and she hummed and I was able to kiss him on the head and take your hand and walk out of that hospital into the fire that lay ahead and I knew that even though I was afraid, even though I had no idea what I was in store for, I knew that that woman inside of me, that depth of who I was, that core divinity was everything I needed, that I was going to be enough. In that situation, I mean, that's ultimately, that's what led me to where we are right now. Because I learned who I really was in that moment. I got in touch on a deep visceral level with that, that divine light that is mine and is yours, that is everyone's. And then simultaneous to that, in comes this woman showing up for that light. And so I'm experiencing it within myself while I am also seeing it materialize in front of me, right? And so I got to see what happens when we show up for that light. And that's what this is all about, ultimately. It's about showing up for what is within us, showing up for one another, and that we need one another. We are not meant to do any of this alone. What happens when everybody shows up? The world is a better place in mm-hmm. every way. It's that idea of a high tide raises all ships, Yep. right? That's powerful. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's interesting because like a piece of us died when we left that hospital empty handed. Uh, And I want to say peace was reborn, but I don't know if it was reborn. It was more either born or discovered. Yeah. Right. Excavated perhaps. Whoa. And then um, Sherry Dew asked you, what did you learn from this experience in person? And you looked her in the eyes and what did you say? (laughs) Oh, Sherry. Uh, Sherry's a, a friend and she's worked with Richie for years and sweet thing. We run into her like, what, like a couple months after he had died mm-hmm. and like, she doesn't hug me. She doesn't like, like no, like she is the most no nonsense person I've ever met. And she just walks right up to me with like so much intensity and she says, so what did you learn? 
And I'm just so taken aback. And Richie too, like Richie just kind of like, like uh. and all I knew to uh, say was- We learned that life sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, that's not what we said. Yeah. What I said- I made something up. I can't even remember what no, I, I said. No, I like, think I interrupted. Yeah. I don't really remember. But what I said was, you know what? Ask me in a year. Yep. And she said, that's a great question. That's a great answer. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. She said, that's a great answer. That's a good answer. And she called Wendy over. Wendy, Wendy, you got to hear what Natalie right. said. But here's the thing. Like that is just such evidence of the fact that I knew I didn't know what I was doing. I knew that I was in completely uncharted territory, that I was completely unprepared for. I couldn't answer her question because at that point, all I had learned- It takes time. Yeah. And I knew that it was okay to be broken. And- um, I like that. And I think being okay in brokenness is another thing that really- um, you, So you, are you saying, I don't want to make this weird or cliche. Are you saying you can show up broken? Oh, absolutely. Explain, explain in fact, that. I think that when we show up broken, it's, it's the purest um, offering we can give because it is so honest and so real. Like showing the light inside. We have this, yeah, and we, we have this idea, and this was something that made it really hard for me to even start this podcast, or I'm working on writing a book right now, or a lot of other projects I've done. You feel as though you have to have arrived before you start to nope. teach and share. No, nope. it doesn't happen that way. No, it doesn't because it's the it's the teaching and the 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 working with one another. We're becoming through it. No. It's all a part a of the arriving process. happens by arriving every day. Yes, by you just, just choosing to You just end up arrive. at a different like platform on the train station. Yeah, like or whatever this, it is, like here, right? Like, like <clears throat> this is where I am. What good can I it's do? Just from another here? destination. And knowing that that light within us is is constant and it is powerful and it is ever present and it is so much bigger than our insecurities it is so much bigger than our weaknesses it is so much bigger than our fears and so when we show up broken it's like we're saying to the people in front of us i see you i'm like you we are in this together yeah and i'm able to step up and be brave and because of that i know that you are too so we give each other hope tell me about broken. wow showing up broken is actually a fantastic thought and I think you can have a whole chapter on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or something. I, it's it's incredible, an incredible thought. But how do you hope you show up? I'm just going to say, I'm not going to say for a family. I'm going to say for the world, for others. How do you hope you show up? Oh, with my whole heart. Hmm. Um, I I hope that I'm courageous and... I really believe that we are each in an act of co-creation with God and that our life is, um, is the evidence of that co-creation or the product of that co-creation, right? And I hope that I always am living within integrity. That here's the best answer that I can give, the most honest and true, is that I am in co-creation with God and that I'm living within integrity to that light within me because it's really easy to close your eyes to it. It's really easy to opt out and be like, oh, maybe that's true of others, but it's not true of me. It's not easy to wake up every day and say, I, within me, have something that is so great and that is needed. It is very hard to believe that about yourself every single day. And I hope that I have the courage to, even when I don't believe it, even when it's hard to believe, to show up yeah. anyway. Guys, I've, I've watched this woman fall down a stand-up so many times. We won't even get into Lincoln getting hit by a car, right? And, and other things, Other we just... Just life is really, really, really hard. It throws you down. And even and even like like now, you'd necessarily want to be doing this. It's hard. It's scary. But you're doing it because you feel like you should and you have courage. 
I, I could be wrong, but I think courage doesn't mean like with heart, core, quota sound, mm. or it does. It's, it ha- has the word heart in the little Latin root somewhere. And to know Natalie is to understand that she suffers with you. Like she has this gift or curse, however you want to look at it, of suffering with others, feeling what they're feeling. And, and with that empathy, she brings that heart and she just says, no judgment, I'm here. That's what you do, girlfriend. Thanks, babe. It's powerful. You know, the tricky thing about that is um, that the last thing I want is for this podcast to feel heavy to people. It's a real fear that I have is that like, if we're talking about these heavy things about hardship and trial, and I don't want anybody ever to feel as though, gosh, I listen to that podcast and I'm just like, oh my gosh, life is so hard. I want the opposite to be you true. You can have people. heavy and happy at the same time. That is true. That is true. And that's profound. We could get into that, but we won't. Let's get but so deep in that. No. <laughs> but I just want so badly for this to be a space where people show up and they feel empowered. They feel as though their load has been lightened, where they feel hopeful, where they feel a necessity, a necess- where they feel the necessity to show up. Okay, let me ask you this and then. be what they're meant to be this and is, do what they're meant to do. So, so what do you do, Natalie? to help, what do you do specifically when you're depressed or feeling down or having a hard time or don't want to get up that gets your butt up and Mm -hmm. goes and does something? Like, how are these people who aren't having the same experience as we are, their experiences are worse or different, but as we know, as you and I talk about- Pain is pain, suffering is suffering. Pain is pain, it's like, what what do you say, gas in the room, it fills the whole room, doesn't matter if it's a stub toe, it all hurts. Mm -hmm. So when you're hurting, how do you get back up? What do you do? Well, um, the first thing, the most obvious answer to me is I get out of bed and take a shower <laughs> in terms of practicality. I mean, let's get real because I struggle with depression and that's like a normal part of my life. I don't even like saying struggle with, but I don't have better terminology in this exact moment, but that's a part of my life. And so for me, when I start to feel discouraged or down or apathetic or any of the things that are um, byproducts of depression. Um, I know that I've got to get up and I've got to get in the shower because I've got to remind myself that I am alive in this world. And right. that that's, that it's about, and how many times have you come in and be like, babe, we're going to take a shower. Right. Like, because you know that. Did it, you like, say we're just that? Stop it. Did you, did you just PG, say that PG, out loud? PG, I, don't, I don't even, PG. I don't think I always say I, that. I'm, just, I'm pretending like you're I not said, even go, speaking right now. Go take a shower. Okay. Anyway. So, um, that is the most practical. The second most practical is daily exercise. I know that that sounds ridiculous, but like, I really want to be honest. I don't want to say some big profound thing that is true, but maybe not as true as these small practical things. Daily exercise is essential for my mental health and essential for my capacity to get up and be. It's true. Um, Okay. However, all of that said, I think that in addition serving others and being present for others because when you show up for someone else, whether it's in a big way or a small way, you feel the need to live with an integrity to the person you're being in that moment, right? And I think that whether it's through Instagram or through this podcast or through writing, it's constantly reminding me to stay in the game, to walk the talk. Self-care is important and showing up for someone else is showing up for yourself. Totally, because I mean, it's selfish. Like I hate to say this, but when we do things for others, a lot of times we do them because they make us feel good. Right. And I, I, it's not as altruistic as we might think because genuinely 
when I show up and bless you in whatever way, I am receiving the richer blessings, right? Yep. And But that is um, a real way that I stay on track, that when I don't want to get up and when I don't want to do, I find any way I can to stop making it about me. Okay, let's switch gears for a second. I'm going to ask you a question. You're going to fill in the blank. Your favorite color is? Oh, I, I, these are the kind what, of questions what? I legitimately can't Your favorite answer. color is? Gray. Uh, worst <laughs> answer on the planet. That's not a color. So I literally don't think it's a color. Okay, so gray is, I really like monochromatic things, but that's not I even a word. That's a color, also not a word. I would choose something that was like an ashy color. So like, like an ash pink or like an ash purple or like like a turquoise this is a really bad question okay no <laughs> you're right it was a bad question <laughs> it was terrible on the questioner the art of showing up is recognizing the light within you and being brave enough to do something about it Ooh. every single day boom mic drop don't if you were an animal expensive. you would be a dolphin same and if, <laughs> if you could live in any other country besides the United States of America, where would you live? Like France. live forever. Oh, wow. Okay, France. Probably like along the coast, like where we went, um, Biarritz. Oh, wait, wait, ha, ha. Where we ha, ha. Okay. But I have to make a shout out to Jill because I wouldn't even know how cool France was if I didn't visit. France is cool. there for so long. Everyone knows France is cool. France is the best. Now. Bonjour. What questions should I have asked you that I didn't ask you? I, I don't, I'm not even going to answer that. That's an excellent no answer. And what is your favorite taco place in San Diego? I don't know, but I feel like if I say Roberto's, it will be Any a Berto's answer. is an excellent answer. Thank you. And what do you hope? No, no, you're supposed to fill in a blank. Okay, fill in the blank. I'm excited about blank. I am excited about you, like the collective you. This is such a weird time in the history of the world, and a lot of people are really down about it. Um, but when I look at it, and maybe it's just the people that I interact with on Instagram and on the internet and through this podcast, but I see so many people desperate for ways to show up with greater light. And that makes me so excited because I believe that it's that shift in our collective consciousness towards finding high frequency ways to do good in this world that is that is going to make so much difference. Okay. These are a few of my favorite things. Raindrops on roses. No, no, no. You, ha you can't copy. Whiskers on kittens. Can't copy. Bright cup No copy. No, it's boring. Blah, blah, bored. Blah, blah, I'm bored. Blah, blah, blah. I'm bored. Um, a few of my favorite things. The ocean is one of my favorite things. My boys are one of my favorite things, including you. Thanks. Um, I love photography. I love photography. Whether I took the picture or it's a picture that one of my kids took, anything that captures that spark of, of truth, that authenticity in a human just brings me so much joy. Um, I, another one of my favorite things is reading. I love to read. Um, I, let's be honest, this is so embarrassing to admit, but I like love to watch TV. Like it's like something I'm working on, not loving so What's your much. favorite TV show right now? Oh, I don't even know. What's your favorite binge? 
Um, this is, I don't feel like I should say. Okay. Let's, I'm gonna, no, let's I'm going to say. Nope. But like, nope. I feel like, <laughs> nope. I feel like if I need you to know, apologize. Ask her okay, on, I'm just on tell, no, 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 the gram. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you guys. Nope, it's okay. Not, because okay. I feel like it's, it's okay. You okay. guys are, you guys know enough about me to not judge me based on what I say. I'm because, all, I've already judged. No. Okay, go. Drunk history. Wow, that's like the best it's show ever. It's legitimately the funniest like the best show, show ever. on television. Yeah, yeah. Gotta watch it. That. Like, but I'm, I'm going to tell any of you who are out there listening like with kids or who have kids, like for sure you should preview it first and see if it's for you. Everything's beeped out, but there are adult, there is adult content. Uh, fantastic show. Now, <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. Let the two-year-olds watch no it. No diggity. Right. No doubt. Yes, 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 yes. And let's just let's just wrap this thing up right let's now. Let's do it. So everyone's heard your tragedies, things they've heard things that make you happy. Everybody's heard my triumphs. Are you kidding me? Holy smokes. And and let's look at this clearly too. Our triumphs. Like it's so easy because often it's about all about me and what I've suffered. It's all about we, you. Let's we've hold done hands. this all. T- we are holding all right. hands. Touched. We've done this all together, you and me and the boys and all of these people that have rallied around us are a part of that. Okay, and okay, okay. It's it's just to make pretty miraculous. people's year their best year ever. No matter we have a no two matter part. no matter what part of the year it is. We have a two part episode they should, on that. They should go back and listen to that. Right, right, right. Or right, go right, forward right, and listen to that. Whatever happens. They should li- you should listen to that right. episode. To be their happiest Those self. Episodes plural. Even when life is hard. Suggestions. Three at least. Remember the impermanence of things. Whoa. Remember that what you feel right now, what you are experiencing Whoa. right now, you will not be feeling forever. Yes. You will not be experiencing yes. forever. So when you feel as though something is uh, a pervasive, right? Remember that it is not. That is so and pervasive. important. Big words. Amazing. Because I'm a smart girl. Yeah. Seven habits. Okay. <laughs> second one. Thank you, Steven. Yeah, baby. Second um, one. Second one. Okay. Um, it's really important that you remember that your best is always enough. And I know I've had an entire episode on this, the very first episode, but it is so important to me that people know and and embrace that the fact that your best is always enough. That has perhaps changed my life greater in a, in a in a more profound and significant way than anything else because it's really hard. You're compromised when life is hard. You're not always going to be at your best whether you're experiencing something hard in your life or you're just burnt out because life is relentless. Um I think that it can be it can be easy to be really down on yourself and really hard on yourself. But if you can look yourself in the eye and know you did your best for that day, for that moment, for that circumstance, and it may not be perfect, but it may be the best you had, remember that that is always enough and cut yourself some slack. That's good. And the third one, I noticed that you've, you've tried to do your best at getting a good night's rest, go to bed on time. Mm. And, and you're also good at, understanding that when you're feeling like junk, it's okay to feel like junk and not beat yourself up. Yeah. But at the same time, not let a bad day turn into a bad week, turn into a bad month. Well, that's something that you've taught me, if I'm honest. Right? You say that all the time. You it's say not like, a tunnel. Babe, babe. It, it's a tunnel, not a cave. It's a tunnel, not a cave. That's yeah. another thing I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like you're going to get through it. But you've said that to me so many times, though. Like, babe, don't let a bad day turn into a bad week. Don't let a bad week turn into a bad month. Like, mm-hmm. you constantly are reminding me Is that an that. okay thing or is that annoying? That's so okay. So annoying. It's amazing. And what's the third happy thing? Or did I just say it? That was a really good one. Um, the third one that I was <laughs> the third one that I was going to say was wherever you are, 
is an okay is an okay place to be. I like it. And stop trying to like jump 25 steps ahead. Like there's beauty in the ashes if that's where you are. Um, you don't have to have it all figured out. Just wherever you, okay, two things. Number one, wherever you are is an okay place to be. And this goes hand in hand with that. Like 1.2 is wherever you are, be all there. Yep. So if today you feel really sad, it's okay to feel that and to acknowledge that feeling and to be all there and give yourself the respect and the love to be with that feeling. And if you're feeling great, be all there, right? Whatever is true for you in that day, it's okay to be all there. That's really good. Where can people go to find out more about you and what you're doing? Um, the website, letsshowup.com. Um, is a great place for you to see show notes and for you to look at past episodes. Um, it's a work in progress, guys. I'm going to be honest. Like, when you hear this, I don't know when this will be aired in relation to other episodes. I don't know how far along on the website we will be at that point, but um, that's a really good place for you to go, even if just to subscribe so that when more information is available, it comes to you. Cool. Um, yeah, and Instagram, of course. No, this is awesome. Guys, she puts her Natalie heart and soul Norton. into this and it's not about her. It literally is trying to help others. So I would say email her questions that she can answer on other podcasts too yeah. and rest her on, on Instagram. Sure. And uh, I don't know, start creating some really cool, cool stuff around your questions. Wrap it up, girlfriend. You guys, that was super awkward for me, but thank you for being here. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> I just... Uh, I, I just don't want it to be like the Natalie show, even though it's this literally a, called this show up with this Natalie This was about Norman. Natalie today. It is the Natalie show. It's about that's okay, that. right? It's, it's okay. All about um, that. Anyway, you guys, I think you're awesome. And I'm so thankful that you're here. I cannot say that enough. Like, it is so meaningful to me that um, you're willing to partner with me on this journey and um, that you want to be the best you can be because nothing in this world matters more to me than doing my best and reaching forward and helping you do the same because when you do your best i'm inspired to do my best and it's this like like virtuous upward spiral as richie would say right <laughs> richie says that all the time it's I a do. virtuous upward spiral you're welcome thank you um thank you for being here i love you i love you i, I love, love you, you. and go make it a great day when you listen, i know you I'm Natalie Norton, and you have been listening to the Show Up Podcast. Girl, you're my best friend. Until next time, my beautiful friend, keep showing up, keep that heart wide open. And as always, remember, your best is always enough. Like I